Okay, so tonight, um, what I had hoped to do, as is often the case, may not happen. But I, you know, we've I've set out all those things last week about, uh, you know, the gene therapy so-called vaccine thing, and if it is as bad as many people are saying, I think it will play uh, a significant part in the book of Revelation. And so what I have done, if we get to it, is I've itemized all of the um, the bulls, the wraths, and the whatevers, so that we can just look at them, you know, piece by piece, quickly, 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 and, and compare and see how much of... Uh, what's going on today, we can see in the tribulation and how much of it is left to, to happen in the future. And the, the, uh, the good part of that, I guess, would be, as I discovered today, most of it is yet future. But I think we can make a case for some of it is happening or has already happened or is about to happen. So, and, you know, part of the Part of the deal is this vaccine because you have to think about when when you when you read all the things that are happening in the book of the apocalypse we tend to or at least i do you tend to see um who is sitting on his throne you know throwing lightning bolts and casting hailstones out and just generally making life difficult for us but that's not the way he works typically oh there's pictures up there too Oh, this was a cool picture. I was, you know, you enter a question like um, pictures of the book of Revelation or something, and you get some real wild ones. But there was a bunch of them like this. And it was interesting because it's a flat earth. And, the, you know, when you read scripture, you can't help but uh, get that impression from Job and Ezekiel and certainly from Enoch and, you know, and a bunch of people when they're describing things they're pretty clearly describing a flat earth and it's easy for us to say, Oh yeah, that's ancient people. Well, and that's true because pretty much all ancient, uh, you know, ancient people right up until a thousand years ago or less thought the earth was flat because I mean, look, <laughs> you know, does it look like you're traveling at 10 million miles an hour and you're being flipped backwards? And I, you know, it's, it, you, you, what you see, if you believe your senses, is we're living on a stationary flat earth, and that's the way it's described in scripture. And it was just interesting to see so many pictures like this of, uh, you know, when you put in pictures of the revelation or, you know, like that, there's a lot of them that show so that. So I thought that was kind of cool. So then the next one, of course, is uh, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. So the four horsemen of the apocalypse are the first four seals. If you remember your book of the apocalypse, it goes, the first three chapters are the church, the seven churches. And then chapters four and five are John being taken to heaven in his description of what's going on. And then from six to 16 are the meat and potatoes of what's going to happen. And the first uh, seven seals the first four of the seven are the the famed four horsemen of the apocalypse and i think i'll make the case later if we can get to this that that is going on or certainly could be soon 
Um, but anyway, I, I sent you some stuff and I don't know if anybody ever reads anything I sent. Well, I know somebody did because I got more responses from the Gert Vandenbosch thing than I think I've ever got on anything. Everybody and their brother's brother was responding about that. It was just an interesting article because I don't know if you read all of the citations of who he is, but he was uh, uh, Bill Gates, head scientist in charge of vaccines. And Bill Gates stole him from Gavi, who is Bill Gates also. And he was doing vaccines for Gavi. So it's interesting that Bill Gates' premier vaccine mixologist, and probably the premier vaccine mixologist for the last 30 years, um, is he, he's calling this a genocide. And he thinks this is the worst possible thing that has ever been. And of course, you know, Dr. Simone Gold and Robert F. Kennedy, we talked about Kennedy for a year, what he said about this stuff. So anyway, um, when you think about God throwing lightning bolts and giant hailstones and turning the, you know, the waters into blood and all that stuff, I kind of get the impression of him sitting on high doing these things, like, you know, the classic smite everybody kind of God. But that's just not the way he typically, he can and he certainly does occasionally intervene in man's affairs. But for the most part, uh, he tends to use either natural events or man to do these things. And part of that is because when we read the words of uh, Yahuwah, or we read the words of God in scripture, we, and again, me, and I'm hoping it's at least some of you also, tend to think that he is commanding these things to happen and that's usually how we tend to look at his word and often that's probably most of the time that's not the way we should be reading it we should be reading it as a warning that these things are going to happen because he's already seen the whole parade he already knows exactly what happens and that's what isaiah 46 9 and 10 and um ecclesiastes i think it's 215 and several other verses basically say that he knows the end at the beginning. So he tells us all these things, not so much like, uh, thus saith the Lord, but as, hey, this is what's going to happen, be ready. So it's mostly a, a warning. And when we read the book of Revelation, we it's easy to think he's up there throwing, you know, fiery mountains into the ocean and doing all these things when he's actually warning us that these things are going to happen. And it may be that he's doing some of it. I mean, it probably is him doing some of it. But I think most of it has a more natural or humanistic answer. And that's why I wanted to do this is, you know, everything I, I try to do is to get you guys to just, and most of you do know this now, is to realize that the things that we've been taught and the things that we see in our mind's eye and the way that we read the word sometimes isn't right. And I don't want you to be stumbled when stuff happens that you thought was going to happen or thought weren't going to happen. And it does happen. And then I think people will, will stumble and possibly lose their faith because they were just positive we were going to get, say, raptured out before any of this happens. And as all this stuff happens, they're going to think, well, this was all a lie. I missed it. And I'm afraid some may lose their faith. 
And that's the way it is with a lot of these ideas that we've been taught is you come to find out that's not really the way it plays out. And you have, you have to make a choice. Do I believe what I've been taught or do I believe the actual words of scripture? And too often people fall back on what they've been taught and it's often not true. Um, so anyway, we talked about, um, you know, Gert Vandenbosch and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Back last March when he was saying this type of mRNA vaccine had been tried three different times and the results were catastrophic because as, as, as you get the vaccine, you get this quote unquote robust immune response that they can read. And then when it comes in, um, it, it's been tried with dengue and a couple other little things. And as it comes by naturally, then every cell in your body is now primed for it and your body attacks itself. And that's why some people die. And if they don't die, it's a, it's a brutal sickness. Um, Simone Gold, doctors, frontline America's, America's frontline doctor. She's been um, on it from a little different perspective. You know, she's com just comparing the numbers. The, the real numbers of deaths from Corona-19 or whatever it's COVID-19, whatever it is, um, are so low, it's insignificant really when you get down to it. It's about 35,000 people, if you believe the CDC or the World Health Organization that say 6% of the reported deaths are actually deaths because of this COVID-19 thing. So that would be about 35,000 deaths in this country. And uh, in 2018, there was 60,000 deaths from the seasonal flu. So this is even a mild case of the seasonal flu. And they've made this huge, I mean, it, it, well, you know, you've lived through the last year. It's affected every aspect of every life. And they're forcing things down your throat and doing all kinds of illegal things. And you know, under the guise of this terrible disease. And it's not, it's not even as bad as the normal flu is. Um, Gert Vanderbosch looked at it a different way and he called it a viral immune escape. And if you read his article, he went through and described what that is and I can't and I'm not going to. Um, there were seven major universities that have been used for uh, <clears throat> take, you know, reading the COVID or reading the, you know, the blood samples or whatever to see if you have the disease, the, the illness, it's not a disease. And this guy has 1500 of them. And a single one has uh, COVID or whatever it is, COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-2 or whatever. All of them, most of them, like 1100 of them, the 1400 were just regular influenza A and the other 400 were regular influenza B. So he sent them to several other labs, universities in California and Cornell and Stanford and all this other stuff. And nobody could find it. It's all regular influenza. So these seven universities banded together and called uh, the CDC and said, hey, we're having a little trouble here. Can you send us a COVID-19 sample so we have something to compare it to? And they said, no, we don't have one. So apparently there isn't one. And the same thing is going on in Europe, the European medical, you know, their version of the CDC. Um, same thing. All the doctors are now realizing that there isn't one. They can't provide a sample of the disease. Nobody has one because there isn't one. It's just the flu, right? It's the same, same thing you get every year. So seven universities in the United States have sued the CDC to get a sample and they can't, they don't have one. There isn't one. It's, it's, you know, so um, 
so you look at all of the things that they have made us do, you know, the mass. And I mean, from the beginning of history, the only purpose of a mask has been uh, as a sign of, um, um, you know, being a slave. Yeah, be, being in control. Um, when you are a slave or, you know, and I've seen some of these pictures of the terrible masks they used to put on these. Some of them have a knife that goes inside so that you can't talk. You know, you can't move your tongue or you'll get cut. You know, and that's the purpose of a mask is so you do what they ask you to do. So, of course, our government insists you have it. Now you're supposed to wear two masks or three masks. You know, when everybody knows, I mean, every scientific study that's ever been, that's been reasonable and legal before COVID, has said masks don't do anything. In Europe, they don't even wear masks in hospitals, which is where most of these studies have come from because it's been a 20-year debate in the European hospital, should we wear a mask or not? And they've studied it up and down, left and right, you know, inside out, and there's no benefit. In fact, there's a detriment because if you're wearing a mask for too long, then of course you're rebreathing all the crap that gets stuck on the mask and you can make yourself sick. And I mean, those things are common sense, but we know them to be true. So you look at all of the things that are happening and that they're spending trillions of dollars propping up their left wing. It has nothing to do with health. None of this has anything to do with health. We'd be fine without it. They're just, it's, and the whole world is going that way. The technocrats or the UN or whoever you think is pulling the strings is the great reset, you know, they're trying to destroy the world. So my goal was to try to look at some of this in light of what does the book of Revelation say we should expect and see if they sort of line up and where in the timeline we are and, you know, what we can expect. And one of the things that is, um, well, obviously everybody's familiar with the mark of the beast, you know, you can't buy or sell unless you have the mark. And we've already seen that unless you have the vaccine, you can't, do anything. You can't get on a plane. You can't go to the theater. You can't go to a sports event. You know, and in Israel, something like 95% of the population has been vaccinated. 95% of the population of Israel has been vaccinated. So that's how they get their freedom back. They can go to the store and they can go to, okay. And it sort of, I mean, that should, that should send up red flags when you see something like Israel getting hammered like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Your passport. You got to have a passport to prove that you've had it. And in England, the, the government slogan is no jab, no job. If you don't get vaccinated, you can't have your job. So and you have to ask the thing I've been asking for a year is what would it take to get 216 countries and every state governor and every local mayor everybody who's anybody to agree on anything. You couldn't get those people to agree that the sky is blue or that a, having an extra hundred dollars would be good. And yet all of a sudden everybody is rolled over and they're all parroting the exact same thing. And I mean the same word, somebody's telling them what to say. And you have to, or I have to ask why, what, what's, somebody's pulling the strings. And the only way you're going to get people to do that is money or threats. So, I would, I would suspect one or both of those things is afoot. And these people are being threatened with everything they hold dear. And you see that, you've seen that in the Democratic Party forever. That's the way they roll. You know, all these guys run, oh, we're not going to vote with Nancy Pelosi and all that stuff. And the day they walk in, she hammers them and says, I don't know what she says. 
if you don't do what I say, your family's dead, or you'll never get another dime, or we're running a giraffe against you and he'll win, or whatever. It's just threats and intimidation, and that's how politics works. That's how this seems to be working. So I see Israel as being completely vaccinated. They're the country, they're the most vaccinated country on earth. And I'm trying to, 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 to rationalize this. If Israel is God's country, and I know the things that this vaccine are going to, I believe, are going to cause, then how is it that all these people are vaccinated? And you look at the other end of the scale, and China has vaccinated 15 million people with their own vaccine, of course, that they stole from us. Well, 15 million people is less than 1% of the population. So Israel has like 95% vaccination. China has 1% vaccination. And they come right out and say, we're not going to vaccinate the population. We're only going to vaccinate the people that need it. Well, who are the people that need it? The people they're trying to eliminate. The old, the sick, uh, you know, the handicapped, the, the minorities. And that's exactly what you see in this country. And that's exactly what you've seen with, from the beginning. When, when Whitmer and Como and Newsom and all these whack jobs decided it would be a good idea to take COVID positive patients and put them in a nursing home and kill all the old people because that saves them trillions of dollars. No more social security, no more pension, no more Medicare, no more Medicaid. If they can just kill all these people, this is a good thing. Well, what's happened to the world that this seems to be a good idea? And why do people get all of a sudden rational people, doctors that I know and, and intelligent people are now getting all of their medical information from Mark Zuckerberg and Joe Biden. You know, like somebody was saying, I have the same medical degree those guys have. Why don't you believe me? You know, you can't say the things I say or Facebook takes your stuff down. And, uh, you know, I mean, we live in a world that's, it's, it's unreal. So <clears throat> I was thinking about how is, how is it possible that Israel has been that vaccinated? And um, there, is, there has always been a debate about the current country of Israel. And if that is the country of Israel, it's in the Bible. And I have about 200 of these verses written down. Um, so I'm going to do three, but if anybody wants the other 197, I've got them. This one is from Ezra Venakinu. It's Nehemiah. Chapter one, verse nine. It says, but if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them. So this is one of those if thens. If you return to me and keep my commandments and do them. Though those of you who have been scattered were in the most report, remote part of the heavens, I will gather them from there and will bring them to the place where I have chosen to cause my name to dwell. Yes, in Yahoo, Isaiah 11. And then, it, and then it will happen on that day, on that day, the day the Messiah returns. It will happen on that day that Yahuwah will again recover the second time with his hand, the remnant of his people, who will remain from uh, Ashur, Mitzurim, Pathrok, Kush, Elam, Shinar, and Hamath, and from the islands of the sea, which would be us. And he will lift up a standard for the nations and assemble the banished ones of Yisrael and gather the dispersed of Yehuda 
from the four corners of the earth. Uh, uh, Yermayahu, <laughs> Jeremiah uh, 29, I will be found by you, declares you, who I will restore your fortunes and will gather you from all the nations, from all the places where I've driven you, declares you, and I will bring you back from the place where I sent you to exile. Okay, so you, you, you get the idea, right? I mean, we could do this for hours about how the Lord is bringing the people back. He's going to regather the house of Israel, join them to the house of Yehuda. Did the Lord bring the people back in 1948? And there is a large contingent that says, no, the UN did. The house of Rothschild did. The British government did. You know, it had nothing to do with God. And when you look at Israel today, especially the Israeli government, there's no sign of God anywhere. It's as secular as any nation on earth. And most, in fact, most Jews we know are secular Jews. They think they're Jews. They want to be Jews. But, they, you know, like my neighbor, they don't know anything about the feasts or about the Torah or any of that stuff. They're just cultural Jews. So when you read about the Israel that's returned in the Bible, the Israel that the Lord is going to bring back and the timing of all that, he's the one that's at the center. Well, nobody would even remotely suggest that he's at the center of the current nation of Israel. And there are many, many, many groups of more or less Orthodox Jews living in the current nation of Israel and around the world, they don't recognize Israel as the Israel of the Bible because God did not bring these people back. Man brought those people back, right? The UN said, this is your country. And then all the Arabs got all pissy about it. So they cut 60% of it out and gave it back to the Arabs. I mean, it had been a total wasteland when the Arabs lived there. And it wasn't until, of course, the Jews moved back and brought in irrigation and desalinization and, you know, the things that Jews do, that it became a country. And now there's gas and oil and they're, they're in the process, I don't know if any of you guys know this, of building three pipelines across the nation of Israel to run Saudi oil to the Mediterranean. So, and one of these goes right through the Valley of Jezreel or Megiddo, where the, you know, and when you read about all that and Saudi Arabia and uh, it says Sheba and Dedan, Saudi Arabia and Midstream and, and the equivalent of Jordan during this whole invasion are not invading. They're standing going, well, what are you doing? Are you coming to take spoil? And all of a sudden now, if, if all the oil of Saudi Arabia is passing through Israel, that's a heck of a spoil, especially for Russia, right? So anyway, it's, 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 it's all falling together sort of like the Bible says, but we get the impression and we want to believe that 1948 was some big deal, that God, you know, let his people come back, and maybe he did. But I don't see God in the middle of it, and they don't see God in the middle of it, and it doesn't fit in any of these two or 300 verses that I can show you where he's going to gather his people together. And it will be at the end in that day, in the last day. So I would not be a bit surprised to see 95% of the population of Israel be vaccinated and many of them die or become incapacitated as a result of it. Because I don't think 
that's really Israel. <laughs> I think Israel will be regathered when God regathers them. And that won't happen until we are pretty much most of the way through the book of the Revelation. And um, anyway, so just again, I just want you to think about these things so that if it doesn't happen the way that you think it would, or you've been taught it would, or even that you think it should, don't panic. <laughs> you know, don't, don't throw your hands up and go, oh, God's not with me. It probably means we don't understand it. And that's fine. He doesn't expect you to understand it, but he does expect you to have a heart to follow him. And that might mean, well, if we don't get raptured before the tribulation, Okay, I mean, it's still my hope that we get raptured before the tribulation. It's no longer my belief that that will happen. But it'd be nice. I mean, if we got zapped tonight, that would be awesome. I just don't see it happening that way. And I don't want people to think that they've missed it or that there is no God because they find themselves halfway through the tribulation and they get raptured and they've been told all their lives they wouldn't have to go through the tribulation. They would be taken out before it. So again, that's more or less the purpose of why I um, want to talk about some of this stuff. Um, one other thing I want to talk touch on quickly, because we're going to hit this more in depth later when we get into the fun stuff with the pyramids and the temple and the temple of Zeus and the watchers and the whole deal. Okay, so I want, this is from the book of Jasher, Jasher, uh, chapter four, verse eight. And it says, and their judges and rulers went into the or went out to the daughters of men and took their women by force from their men according to their choice. And the sons of men in those days took from cattle of the earth and beasts of the field and fowls of the air and taught the mixture of animals of one species with another. And the word in Hebrew is yamayim, in order to provoke Yahuwah. And Elohim saw the whole earth and it was corrupt for flesh had corrupted its ways upon the earth and all men and animals. Uh, let me read another verse out of Yasher, chapter 36. It says, And the sons of Shoval were Alion, Makasheth, Eval, Shepti, and On Onman. And the sons of Sivi were Aya and Anna. And this was the Anna who found the Yemenim in the wilderness where he fed the asses of Sivi, his father. So that's that same word. That means the mixing of species. And then in Bereshit, or Genesis uh, 36, it says, these are the children of Sivan, both Aya and Anna. And it was Anna that found the Yemenim, translated as mule in the King James, in the wilderness as he fed the ashes of Sivan, his father. So there's this, and, and we'll get into a whole bunch more of this, especially in Enoch and more in Jasher and, and uh, even in Genesis and some of this stuff later. But there's this, this idea, and I mean, it's not an idea. These are, these are three verses right here, and there will be many more to come, where there was a time at which some people could manipulate animals and men genetically. And when you, when you talk about um, the giants 
and especially Nimrod. And again, we'll, we'll get into this more when we get there. Nimrod was born of a regular mother and father. He, he did not descend from heaven. In fact, he's from the, the tribe of Ham, right? Which is not good. You don't really want to be from the tribe of Ham. Um, but he's a human, just a regular human child. And yet he became a giant. And the the uh, you know, and I showed you the 70 foot tall statue of Nimrod and all these people that pray to Nimrod and Osiris and uh, Orion. And there's a half a dozen different names for depending on the culture you're in. And they recognize he, he was he's a giant, but they also recognize he wasn't born that way. So there was something that happened, something he did or was able to do, something that he learned that he was able to apparently modify his genes and become something that he wasn't intended to be. And that would explain how he was able to get millions of people to follow after him and do his bidding, because there's something, I mean, this would make you a God, right? If you play basketball, that makes you a God and you're only seven feet tall. Could you imagine being 16 feet tall or 70 feet tall? People would do what you ask for one way or another. But anyway, there's this idea that permeates through scripture that you're never going to get by reading it in English, especially some, you know, the NIV or some of the English, what is it? The new living English, I don't know, you know, the Shuck and Jive Bibles is what I call them. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're never going to get that idea by reading it that way. And you barely get it when you look at it in Hebrew, but it's, and, and, one way, uh, when you see the, the mythology of Greece and the mythology of all these different, most of those mythological things are based on something in scripture. They're based on truth. But the, all of the Zeus and all these, those are, have a character that's in scripture, but they've been um, secularized and added to and aggrandized and all that stuff. Well, you see all of these people and it's pretty common throughout a lot of uh, cultures in the world where you've got the, what do they call him? A satyr or something where he's half man, half goat. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's crazy. Well, is it? You know, there, there's not, we already, just take a look at the pyramid. There's knowledge out there that we have no idea. I mean, we couldn't do that today. We probably couldn't do it in a thousand years. How do they do that stuff? Well, there's knowledge missing. There's, there are things that we don't know. And so when confronted with some of those realities, the only place people can fall back on is always oh, aliens. Aliens came down and did this stuff. Aliens taught us how to do this. Aliens did this. Aliens did that. So if you look at all the proof that aliens did it, there's no proof. That's just an excuse because there's no other way they can reconcile stuff that we cannot do. We can't turn a guy into a half goat, half man. We can't build the pyramids to the tolerant. We can't build them at all, let alone to the tolerant, especially with the union crew. You know, it just is what it is. So there's, there's, there's information lost, knowledge lost. And one of those things that if you pay attention, you keep running into in scripture is this idea of, um, genetic modification. So yim is, is the word and yimi, you know, the plural is the I-Y-M uh, or Y-I-M ending. And it's just a yud and a, a mem, two letters. So the 
the people associated that would be the yimim, you know, or whatever. So yud mim mim. Uh, the King James translates this word as mule. And I'm not, I didn't take 4-H, but I suspect that a mule is a cross between a horse and something else, or one of those animals is. Okay, so a donkey must be a real animal, and a horse must be a real animal, and they crossed the two and got a mule. And do I understand it correctly that a mule can't procreate? Okay, so just they're using the word mule gives you a clue. But when you look the word up in Strong's, oddly, it, it gives the definition of as a warm spring. Okay, well, that's no help. So the ancient Hebrew lexicon of the Bible on page 141-142 defines this word as sea or terror. Well, now that starts to make some sense because Hebrews view the sea or view, view large bodies of water as a terror. They understand and correctly that all death and bad things are deposited in the sea. And they understand that because the beast comes out of the sea, right? And the, and the beast is not going to come out of some shiny temple from God. It has to come out of the worst possible place. So to them, the sea is terror, which, uh, well, let me, let me go on and read it, what it says. It says, the pictograph, and this is a quote from the Hebrew lexicon of the Bible, uh, the pictograph is a picture of the hand, the yud, and the water, which is the, the mem, or working water. The sea or other large body of water is the place of storms and heavy surf. The sea is a place of chaos and terror because of the depth, storms, and heavy surf. So to a Jew or to a Hebrew, the, a large body of water is a bad thing. You would never see a To us, the worst job would be like the sewer pumper guy or the garbage man. You know, we don't want to do that. To a, to a Hebrew back in that culture, the worst job would be a fisherman because that means they have to be out on the water and the water is what contains all death and bad things. So you don't ever want to do that, which should add a little bit to your knowledge when you remember when Shaul or Paul was on the boat and the boat was getting battered by the storm and the masts were being broken off and they threw everything overboard and the storm was still coming and it was going for the rocks and what did paul say jump overboard well a jew would never say that he'd ride that thing to the ground they would never get in the water so he says well grab a plank and we'll make it to shore and of course they did he said god is with you is what he says jump overboard grab a grab a plank make it to shore God is with you. And he had to say that because there's no, no self-respecting Hebrew is ever going to do that. What about Yonah uh, volunteering to be cast into the sea? Same thing. He's at the bottom of the boat snoozing. Big storm comes. They're trying to, the crew's trying to figure out what the problem is. They knew God had done something. And he says, oh, it's me. Just throw me into the sea. A Hebrew would never do that because that's the worst possible thing that could happen. Kepha stepping out of the boat in the middle of a storm, they would never do that. And he's the one, I think, who jumped out of the boat and swam to shore when he saw Yeshua on the shore. They would never do that. And of course, all the, well, not all, but a lot of the fishermen or the disciples were fishermen. And there's great meaning in all that, but we just read over it in English and don't have any sense of what's going on. But I sort of digress. Um, so, if, if you go back, and I know we're jumping around here a little bit. If you go back to Genesis, 
And you remember the account of, uh, it says on one line, and Noah became a husbandman and planted vines. And in the next line, it says, and he drank of the wine and became drunk. Okay, well, clearly that took a year, you know, or more. Okay, but it doesn't read that way. So anyway, he, he's drunk, he's naked, he's laying on his cot, and his son Ham does something bad. And you can speculate all you want. It doesn't really say. There are, you know, it, it would seem as though it was some sort of homosexual act, but maybe just the act of looking on your naked father and uh, regaling your brothers with it is sin enough. So you remember the brothers put a garment on their shoulders and walked in backwards so they didn't have to view their naked drunk father and covered him up. And then it says, when Noah awoke, he knew what Ham had done to him, which again tells you it's not, he was not just making fun of him. Um, and at that point, the next verse is he proceeds to prophesy over his three sons. And he, he says, he prophesies over Canaan, not Ham. Well, Canaan is a son, is a future son, or possibly he had it at that point, but it's a son of Ham. Well, Ham's the one that committed the act, but Canaan is the one that gets the, the poor uh, report, right? And it says, and you will be servants of Shem and basically servants of Japheth. All of, for, for all eternity. These, this, this is, these guys are bad. This is a bad, bad, bad thing. You don't want to be like that. So Shem, he said, you know, he basically he said, you'll be the guy that uh, your, your people will seek after the Lord. And as it turns out, the people of Shem have included the Hebrews, has included the Edom and the Edomites who have become... Uh, you know, say what you want about Muslims, they're dedicated to their God. So it seems as though the prophecy about Shem and his people uh, being focused on the Lord or a Lord or a God, not necessarily a correct God, but uh, is true. And then it says to Yepeth, you will live in the tents of Shem. That means you won't be as, you know, as zealous to find God. But these are the guys who, this they became Europe. You know, Shem went to what's the Middle East. Yapeth went to what is now Europe. And he says, you will be the guys basically that discover everything and invent everything. And you'll be the businessmen and all that stuff. Try to keep yourself together in the tents of Shem. Try to remember your God, basically is what he's saying. And then to Ham, to Canaan, they he went south. So he became basically black Africa says you will be servants to everybody. You're not, you're bad news. So basically what he was saying, if I could uh, redo this and maybe more modern terminology is he's talking to Ham or to Canaan. And he says, you are genetically predisposed for sin, for bad things. You're going to hate God and his people and you will always be their servant. And to Shem, he's saying, you are genetically disposed, I'm suggesting here, to follow after God. Now, it may not be the right God, but you just 
you you do that. You you're you're that kind of person. And then to Japheth, he's going to be genetically predisposed just to go do stuff, to be the business owner, the inventor, the the traveler, the 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 you know the guy who finds places and 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 that's been the course of the world. That's exactly how it's been. So looping back to where we started, the mRNA gene therapy is designed to change your DNA. And it was originally conceived several years ago as a way to fight cancer because they recognize a lot of cancers are from a genetic defect. And if they could, the thought was if they could go in and, and somehow change or remove that little piece of DNA, they could eliminate the cancer. And that's true. It, it works like a charm in a lot of cases. So you can't just cut the DNA in half and you know have half going left and half going right. So they, they splice out one gene that's problematical and they replace it with another or an inert gene or something. And that cures your cancer in, in a lot of, not all cancers, but it's some cancers they can do that. And, you know, if it's like skin cancer or something, they can't, they can't do that. But there are applications for this mRNA uh, therapy. Basically, it's gene therapy. And they use it in diagnostics. They can send this mRNA in and it me measures, I mean, you know how it works from science class. You've got a particular shape and then the opposite shape comes and they glom on, but it can only glom on to the exact same one. It can't glom on to that one or this one or that one because they're shaped differently. So it looks for the same, so they can piece together RNA and DNA or DNA and RNA. And so they have to fit together. So they can use this gene therapy to go through your DNA and find the thing that's not right. And then you can be treated for it. So that's how they use it as diagnostics. And it's a legitimate deal. So there, the idea is, okay, we're going to use this in a new way. So we're going to go in and give your cells one of the spike proteins. Those are little suction cups on the coronavirus we're now so familiar with. Now, those are proteins. We're going to give you one of those proteins and all your cells are going to replicate it because now it's in your DNA. It's in your RNA, right? So every single cell in your body is going to replicate this. And then you're going to have the spike protein of that, 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 that protein, that virus or, you know, gene or vaccine or whatever you want to call it. You're going to have that in every cell in your body. So when you get it, you'll be able to fight it off. And what they've found out even before they started doing this was as soon as they do that, great, huge, robust immune response. You're good to go. You don't have to wear a mask. You don't have to social distance. You don't have to do anything because you're good. And then when it comes around next year, when next year's flu comes around and you get it, they've discovered that all of a sudden now your body uh, produces the the protein to fight that flu, but it also sees it in every single gene in your body. So it now starts fighting every gene in your body, which is an immune, you know, an immune compromised. I mean, that's what it is, right? When your body is fighting itself, that's all HIV is, is it's getting the wrong information and it's now fighting itself. It's fighting off every cell in your body. And that's why people get so sick after they've had this uh, this type of therapy, because instead of just having it land in your lungs or whatever, it's now every single cell in your body is fighting it. And the death rate is significantly higher, as you can imagine, for that. Um, so think about 
the ability they have to modify your DNA and your genome, right? They can change things within your body and they can do it now. There's a, there's, I've said this before, there's a birth control out now. They give you or give it, give the girl and it's just hanging there. It's, it's in your body It not, not doing anything, not doing, it's just hanging until with your 5G phone, you give it the command. And as soon as you give it the command, then it goes and does what it needs to do. It becomes a birth control pill. It's highly effective. And it does what, you know, well, think about that. They can put things in your body and they can activate them remotely. They can change your genetic system. They can change. Okay. So go back to the three sons. One seems to be genetically predisposed towards, uh, say, hating God and his people, because all through history, uh, the Edomites, which came from Canaan, the Canaanites, you know, all of these people you've read about, all those Ammonites and Moabites, those are all from the tribe of Ham. And they have been the traditional enemies of God's people forever. Well, how does that happen? I, I, I don't know. I, I would suggest, and I've suggested it before that it's genetic, you know, that maybe the people who respond as we do have a genetic code from the house of Yisrael or some sort of uh, genetic code that makes us more receptive to that. And then you, we all know of people who you can tell, tell the same information to, you can show them the same truths. They didn't want to know. They don't get it. It's as though, and you probably will think it's as though they're genetically programmed not to get this stuff. Well, maybe they are. And there's have been, and I don't know if it's true or not. It's, it's like Michael and I were talking, you, you, there's no, you can't find truth anymore. There's no way to find anything that's true. There's, there's no way we have outside scripture to find truth because anything on the internet, any information you get has been massaged and changed and lied about and, uh, so there really isn't any way to tell, but I have heard and seen that, and I know that DARPA, the experimental wing of the military, does all kinds of really cool and dangerous things. And supposedly one of the things they've tried to do was discover the gene that causes fundamentalist Muslims to want to blow themselves up, that they're, they're so radicalized that that seems like a good plan. And they have indicated and some doctors would agree that that's genetic there's a thing in them that makes that possible so darpa has said well hey how about if we go in and change that gene and make them into somebody like uh just a docile i'll believe everything you say you know let's just cut that gene out and let's replace it with the stupid gene well they can do that now and they've tried, I don't know if they've been able to do it or will ever be able to do it. They've tried to be able to, to release that sort of thing, that sort of uh, messenger RNA as an aerosol. So they don't even have to stab you. If it worked and they could just aerosol a city or uh, you know a Muslim tribe that's causing all the issues, aerosol the tribe, and then all of a sudden they're like Captain Kangaroo, you know, pedophiles in nice. You know, it's just awesome. I don't know if it's true or not, but are you willing to take that chance? I guess is the deal. So this first vaccine, I'm certain is none of those things. 
it's the one that's going around now. Okay. It's just, I mean, it's probably little more than, you know, uh, salt water, but it, oh, yeah. yeah it's, well, cause that's the point, right? They don't care if you're sick. They don't care if you live or die. What they want you to do is to get in the habit of letting them inject you so that when you get to the point where there is a beast, because you can't have a mark of the beast without a beast, right? You have to have, <laughs> thanks, Sadie. You have to have the Antichrist on the scene before there can be a mark of the beast. So everything leading up to that is just getting you ready. So right now they can get 60 or 70% of the people in this country to go, oh, wait, wait, I want one. I want one. Come stab me. Stab me twice. Oh, yeah, I'll get one next year, too, because that's what they're saying. You have to get a booster shot every year. It's going to be, I think. It's not right now. So like I say, you get the vaccine, and thousands of people have died. I mean, dropped dead as soon as they got the vaccine. They don't tell you. In fact, you're, uh, we're, you know, she's getting a loan, right? Buying a condo. You all know I didn't let anything out of the bag. And the loan guy is like, he disappears right in the worst time. He's gone. You can't get a hold of him. What happened to this guy? Well, he got a COVID shot and he had a terrible reaction and he fell down and he hit his head and had a concussion and was in the hospital for a week. So of course we couldn't get a hold of him. But you don't hear stuff like that, right? You don't hear all the, uh, some famous boxer you know, black guy was going to show all the blacks to go out and get it. Took the shot. Two hours later, he's dead. Hank Aaron, same thing. Took the shot. Two days later, he's dead. Thousands of people are like that. So there is a problem for, with it among some people. Obviously, 30 million people in this country have had it and only several thousand have died and 20 or 30,000 are in the hospital. So it's still a small amount. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe they did, maybe they didn't. I've never had the flu. I'm the guy that they bring, you know, when mom's sick and the baby's sick and mom's about ready to kill the baby, they'll bring it over to me because I never get sick. I can hold your baby all night long and I don't sleep. So it's fine. So I don't know. I didn't get a shot. It's just the way I am, right? I don't get sick. So maybe you don't get sick. Maybe the shot had nothing to do with it. Or maybe it did. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It can't happen to somebody who doesn't get it. So that's, if you go back to Simone Gold, she's calculating all this stuff out. And the chances of you dying from the flu are 0.0024 or something your chances of dying from the vaccine are seven times that much. So why get it is her point. Yeah. You know, and all of these people have a different reason why they wouldn't get it. And all of them make sense. But the, I mean, Simone Gold, play the odds. You're safer not getting it. Unless you're over 80, then it's maybe okay. Yeah. Yes. 
Right, which is concerning. That's right. Agent Orange won't hurt anybody. It kills everybody, but they tell you, oh, it's fine. You could drink it. Mix it up like Tang. Well, that's a lie. It's always a lie. Anytime they tell you it's a lie. So again, that's one of those things I look at is, well, who are they giving the vaccines to? Old people. Well, they want to get rid of them because they're costing us a fortune. The policemen and the firemen. Well, let's get rid of them because they're trying to, you know, anarchy is good. The, the healthcare workers, could you imagine if half of our healthcare workers and half of our law enforcement and firemen went down? What would happen to this country? It would be, it would be an anarchist's, uh, I won't even say. It, what? Yeah, oh, 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 okay. Oh, she's telling me I'm taking too long. Okay, so basically, I know, I know, I know, I know. Look out. See, that's that vaccine, dude. You got to watch it. Bad stuff, bad stuff. Look, if you take it, you know, great. God can still protect you. That's just, okay, so my question is, would you put your faith in man or would you put your faith in God? And there's nobody that wouldn't say God, and yet... All these Christians are going, oh, no, 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 I believe, you know, Mark Zuckerberg and, and some newscaster on NBC. Fauci. Yeah, oh, yeah, I believe Fauci, just because he owns like a third of Moderna. There's no conflict of interest there. You know, he worked for, for Bill Gates. Oh, no conflict there. He gives out millions and millions. I mean, the list of, of things he gives out and to the people he gives it out to, it's frightening. So you're going to believe that guy? I mean, in, okay, okay, okay. Um, okay, so let's, okay, so the other thing, um, there's a thing called the mind control tower. Okay, it's not really mind control, but that's what they call it. They've got these towers that they, and they had them at the Capitol on the 6th, these towers. And what they do is they shoot out uh, I think microwaves or something, something you can't hear or see. And what it does is it incites many people to violence. It just agitates them. And so you have a million people marching. You shoot this out there and you get 10,000 super agitated because something bad's going to happen. Well, they were there that day, you know. So, okay. Just so happened they erected them. Yeah, just the day before. Uh, Bar sheet 611B. It's And this is uh, uh, Nimrod, who's now 70 feet tall and the king of the world, is erecting this giant structure. And again, you don't get this in our Bible, but you get it in, in Jasher and Enoch and other, other stuff. He divided his people into three groups. One was going to break through the dome. One was going to kill God and his minions. And the other was going to take all the angels and stuff. That was their plan, right? We're going to take over the universe by getting rid of God and replace them with us. Hmm, interesting. Uh, so God comes down and takes a look at all this, and you know what he said. You know, he basically said, and now nothing, or, you know, as long as they can speak one language, now nothing will be restrained from them what they, which they have imagined to do. And I made the case the other day that that's where we are today. Every, everyone is speaking as one. We're just like, 
it was in the times of Nimrod. And I suspect the same thing is true. Now, nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. And you look at these towers and you look at the gene modification and you look at the anarchy and you look at everything. If you put the whole picture together, um, you know, we're there again. We're, we're back there again. So the reason that, um, remember that a reason for a lot of this is to provoke God. It's, it has nothing to do with us. It's not benefiting us. It's to provoke God. And you, you, you think, why, <laughs> why do we want to provoke God? But anyway, that's, that's the goal. Okay, so uh, these slides that my daughter is reminding me of, I said I put all the seals and trumpets and all that stuff in order. Okay, so when you read them, chapters one is sort of the introduction, two and three are the churches, four and five are John goes up to heaven and talks to God. Then in six, six begins with the first seal, which is the white horse, which is, remember, the white horse comes to conquer and is conquering. And I would make a case that in our mind's eye, we see a guy in a white horse with a sword and there's actually war and they're conquering in the classic sense that we think of it. I, I don't I don't think that's true. I don't think that's ever going to happen again. I think what we're seeing, we have been conquered. This country has been taken over. Most countries have been taken over. We've been, there's no other way to look at it, as, it other than we have been conquered. So I would make the case that that has already happened or is continuing to happen. The second seal, uh, the red horse comes to take peace and cause people to kill each other. Well, we've seen that for a year or two, you know, right? Everybody's killing everybody. They're burning buildings down there. And the only people that ever get in trouble are anybody with a little common sense. Everybody else free. The third seal, which is the black horse, is the worldwide economic trouble. Okay, well, I think we can make a pretty good case that that is either here or coming. And they've covered it. They just keep printing money and the stock market is going up and crypto's going up and gold and silver's going up. There's never been a time in history when all three of those go up at the same time. One goes up, one goes down. That's the whole point, right? Now they're all going up and they're all going to crash. The fourth seal says a quarter of the world's population die by sword, famine, disease, vaccine, beasts of the earth. That's the green horse, the pale horse. And that's where I would suggest we're, we're probably between the third and fourth seal right now because they have injected and will continue to inject billions of people with this. So, and you think, how are, how are you going to kill a quarter of the world's people? You know, that's, that's a significant undertaking. So there's all these people say, oh, well, it's, you know, it's not like it's a quarter all over the world. It's just this little area that has a quarter of the people. We can get rid of a quarter of the people just by, you know, a couple of little nuclear bombs. We'll get rid of them. Or you could vaccinate the people and then a bunch of them will die. Um, but that's just speculation. The fifth seal uh, are those that are killed for the word of Yehuda, Yahuwah, right? Killed for the word of God. And I see that. I mean, it's always been the case, but I think now or in the, in the near future, that's going to be a serious deal. And you've already seen them. The Democrats want to punish anybody who voted for Trump, thinks about Trump, thinks conservatively. They need to be not just, uh, you know, excommunicated. They need to be imprisoned. These be, they really need to be killed. Then this is interesting. You get to the sixth seal, and it's this massive earthquake. The sun turns black, the moon's red, the stars fall, heaven rolls like a, you know, heavens are, yeah, heavens are scroll, rolled up like a scroll. 
mountains and islands are moved out of place. And remember the other day, well, a couple of weeks, months, I don't know, we were talking about all the stars that have disappeared. And you can look at the camp, you know, look at the pictures from the 60s and look at the pictures. There's thousands of stars that are gone. Where'd they go? I don't know. Um, then we go into chapter seven. There's no wind on the earth. That's just sort of a, uh, don't know. Um, and the angel that comes up has this uh, comes up out of the earth has the seal of the living God. So we know that this guy is on our side. So this is you know. Then we go to the seventh seal, and that's the one where now we know there's no women in heaven because silence for a half an hour. And then and then there's 144,000 uh, that are anointed. Then okay, so I would suggest that we are right now in these seven seals somewhere. We're floating around maybe between three and four, and that these things are going to happen, going to continue to come. And, and one of the things, the, the, nearly the next thing, is um, this quarter of the world's population die by famine, disease, vaccine, or beasts of the earth. So I would suggest, and that's exactly what Gert Vandenbosch said, is you're going to see all the death rates dive, plateau, and then shoot up like nothing's ever happened before. Well, you could lose a quarter of the world's population that way. So then we go into the trumpets. So the first trumpet is hail, fire from heaven, and blood. A third of the grass, a third of the trees burnt up. No idea. That, uh, that could be God sending something, you know, like the classic, I'm throwing it to the earth. To, or it could be some natural, it could be a nuclear deal. I don't, I don't know. Um, but these are down the road. The second trumpet is something like, the Bible says, a great mountain hits the sea, a third of the oceans become blood, a third of the sea life dies, a third of the ships are destroyed. Um, and there's some interesting science between about how you turn water to blood, because we've seen it a number of times, um, but we won't get into that. Uh, third trumpet, wormwood star hits the earth, a third of the fresh water is poison. Uh, many people die from the bitter waters. Again, I don't know, you, you know, God made literally throw something, maybe this wormwood star hits the earth. I suspect it's man-made. Uh, <clears throat> fifth trumpet, locusts and the beasts that sting, torment men. Um, they're loosed from the pit. Men will want to die, but they can't, they won't be able to die, try to shoot themselves and it won't, you know, jump off a cliff. They can't die. It'll be bad. That's where... Um, they're only to harm those not written in the book of life. And we read about the destroyer called Abaddon and Apollyon. And remember, this is the same destroyer, the same word that was used in the book of Exodus at the Passover who came and if you didn't have the blood on your doorpost, he destroyed, it's the same guy. Uh, the sixth trumpet, demons or angels, depending on how you look at it, are released from the river Euphrates and a 200 million man army kills another third of the population. And it describes the breastplates, you know, of hyacinth and anyway, they're yellow and red, which is the color of China. China has a 250 million man army right now. Um, and then we go into Revelation 10, which you see the beast come out of the sea, one foot on the land, one foot uh, on the sea. And he has a scroll. Revelation 11 is the two witnesses 12 is the woman and the dragon uh, in heaven, you know, at war. You've heard about that in snow. Revelation 13 is the beast out of the sea. And that's where we get the mark of the beast. Revelation 14 is the 144,000 come with Yeshua. And all the earth is harvested or they are harvesting the earth. Revelation 15 
talks about the last seven plagues to come, the bowls, and the sea of glass, the tabernacle filled with Yahuwah's glory that nobody could enter, um, you know, and all of that. So the question then is, are we going to be here for that stuff? Or have we flown? Well, you know, what's the deal? So if you're sort of a mid-tribber or a pre-mid-tribber, um, you would think, oh, no, no, we, we're gone. We're not going to see all that. But remember last week, we read the verse in Isaiah and several other verses where the Lord will hide you. He doesn't take you. He hides you. And you're there for this, but presumably not actually having to actively go through it. So the seven seals he talks about in Revelation 15 begin in Revelation 16. The first uh, bowl is the terrible, painful, festering sores that break out on all who worship the beast and animals. And again, every time you read all through the, the Torah or the Tanakh about uh, the Lord says, go in there and kill the men, the women and the animals. And of course, we're in, you know, incensed by that. Why would you kill an innocent animal? We'll go back to the genetic modification to provoke Yahuwah. He can't allow that. And if he's telling you to get rid of these people because they are that bad, we can assume that the animals need to be eliminated because they have been genetically uh, messed up. Uh, Revelation 16, the second bowl, the entire ocean becomes blood, all sea life dies. The uh, uh, third bowl, fresh water becomes blood, no more fresh drinking water. Fourth bowl, sun increased in heat and scorches and burns people. The fifth bowl, supernatural uh, darkness covers the kingdom of the beast. So is that the earth? Uh, probably. The sixth bowl, the Euphrates dries up, the armies head towards the Middle East for the final battle, which we know is Armageddon. And the seventh bowl, it is done. Babylon is destroyed. Massive earthquakes, 100-pound hailstones devastate the earth. And again, where are we? I think we're hidden. I think we're here, but we're hidden. We're being almost protected under God's wings, right? That's the, the, the picture he uses often. Revolution, uh, Revelation 17 explains the woman on the beast. 18, Babylon has fallen. 19, hallelujah. 20 is the thousand years and 21 is a new heaven and a new earth. So as I look at all that stuff and try to position where we are in it, I'm kind of of the impression, and obviously there's no way for me to know. It's not as though the Lord has given me some special you know, information or something. But as I look at it, I kind of see us in the, in the seals. We're, these things have happened or are happening and we're approaching some uh, not fun times. Yes? You know, it's interesting that uh, a lot of these kind of fall in line with uh, Egypt. Yep. You know, with swords and everything. Yep. Sounds like leprosy to me. Yeah, I... Uh, I didn't go through that, but that is one of the things I had on here that I eliminated um, is the chart that compares all of the similarities between the two plagues. And again, the, the idea behind, remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians is that we, if we were the people in the last times, we are to look to the Exodus generation for all things. And they saw these plagues. And that's another thing that kind of makes me think we're in the book, uh, or, you know, we're in the seals. Because remember, the first three plagues affected Egypt and Israel. It affected Goshen and all of Egypt. And then come to the fourth one, and the Lord tells Moshe to tell the Pharaoh that you're going to get, I think it was the flies, and then 
the lice and then the fraud, I don't know, the order or whatever it was. But they're not going to get it. So these things are happening all over Egypt and somehow the people in Goshen are protected. And I see that maybe as a picture of we're now in the seals, we're going through the first parts of these and we're experiencing just like everybody else is. But there comes a time, I think when we get to the, to the you know, we're in the seals and we get to the bowls and the trumpets, we're protected like they were in Goshen, I think, I hope. <laughs> I have really no interest in going through that. But we can be witnesses, right? We can be the testimony that Goshen was to the Egyptians. So when the time came and the Pharaoh said, go, get, take off, leave, I don't want you anymore. Hundreds of thousands of Egyptians went with them because they didn't want this. They wanted that. They wanted to live in Goshen, not Egypt. And that maybe is one of the biggest purposes for us in being here is so that the world who's going through the trumpets and the bowls will look over at these people who are apparently untouchable and they're, they're being hidden or protected. And, you know, God's wing is upon them. They're there and they're seeing it and no doubt it's affecting them in some ways, but they're not going through it like the rest of the world is. And that's the testimony, isn't it? And you've got the 144,000 and you've got the two witnesses that are saying the same thing. Look to those people. Look, look, look. God is protecting them. Don't tell me God's not real. Don't tell me this is all man-made because look, it's happening to you, but it's not happening to them because they know who God is and you don't. That's always been the way he works. So when we're approaching all these things at the end, I kind of, I mean, I, I don't even have to really think about it. It's the Bible says it. This, look to those people. That's how we need to live our lives. What happened to them will happen to you. And in some sense, it is the same plagues. And they were hidden. They were protected. So, you know, we're going to be in our Goshen. And I heard one guy say, uh, your Goshen is wherever you are right now. You know, I, th I suspect that's true. Because there's going to be people all over the world that are going to be that testimony to all those people. Really? Uh, yeah, they, they, it, one of them was uh, mentally retarded. They can decide whether or not they need to live anymore. And all the the government decides that? Yeah. Great. Yeah, well, that's the way things are going. And you look at... Yeah? Well, yeah, it's big in Europe. You know, and Amsterdam has been the euthanasia capital of the world for 30 years. If you want to die, fly to Amsterdam. Well, they just cost money. Because the government's paying for it. Right. Whatever they decide to do, he can't 
Yeah, you can't undo it. And that's the thing with the vaccine, you know, right, wrong or indifferent. Maybe it'll harm you, maybe it won't. I don't know. Maybe it's actually everything they say it is, and it's really going to be a good thing. I don't know. But the thing about it is they've changed your DNA. You you can't change it back. There's no there's no getting it back. With even with a, other vaccines that have aborted, and this does too, fetal tissue and heavy metals and all that stuff, there are ways that you can process that through your body. There is nothing you can do when your genetic code has been changed.